Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I have got somebody really cool that I want to bring to you today. She is a business therapist. Now, if anybody needs a therapist, it's me. My wife has said that forever. But a business therapist, a virtual speaker, a service animal consultant, we'll get into that here in a few minutes. She is the president owner of A Better Place Consulting, but she's on the Intentional Encourager podcast right now, and that is Bunny Young. Bunny, how are you today? I am doing great. I got to tell you, once you hit that button, it sounded like we were literally off to the races. I think you might have a second career as a racetrack announcer. I can't even handle the first career I've got, let alone a second career. So, you know, it's, it, it is, it is <laughs> kind of is what it is. If you put, you know, people are going to watch this on video going, you, you put on a sport coat. I recorded a podcast the other day and I was in a hoodie like you're in a hoodie for those that will watch this on YouTube. Yeah, I just I just happened to have reached back from a, a, a funeral visitation and then, but that's why I'm dressed like this. Normally, I would just, you know, it would be a struggle just to have something decent to wear. So, well, we should remind our listener or your listeners that last time you and I talked, you were in the t-shirt and I was in the professional attire. So I just exactly thought that I would get comfy because yeah. we yeah. were going to have yeah. this chat and be yeah. intentional about it. And you had to show up in a sport coat. Well, you know, a blind squirrel <laughs> finds a nut every once in a while. So my life has been, my second book is going to be called the blind squirrel theory in full effect. Oh, you're going to bring, you're going to start with the squirrels, which I guess is meaning that we're going to bring Damon into this conversation. You, right? Yes. Our good friend, Damon Burton, who is, who is uh, also a, previous guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast. The first time he connected Bunny and I together, he said, you two live in the same area because your internet speed is like a hamster. And so I went out and fixed my internet speed. I got a different ISP. And so, you know, I've got to figure out some way to send him, send him something like a screenshot of the speed test or something like that, that shows that my, my Wi-Fi is off the charts. But but anyway, I want to get started here with you about, and I, I've been asking this question of my guests around COVID-19. How have things changed in your world since the pandemic started? So the biggest change has been how we present what we offer. And so as a business therapist and working as a business consultant and a business coach, it used to be tied to the metrics and the numbers on performance and growth within a company. And now we've really been able to say that even though we're still focused on the same things of the power of human potential and focusing on your purpose, focusing on work-life alignment and burnout prevention, we're actually doing it for human sake and humanity rather than for the businesses. And it's been, a, I won't say a, a 180, but as far as how we're able to per, position it, mental health in the workplace was a really foreign conversation last year. This time last year, if I walked into a corporation and I said, I'm a business therapist, you know, I'm here to help your team stay sane, they would have been like, okay, uh, but what are you going to actually help us 
accomplish as far as the numbers or sales or anything like that goes. And now, thankfully, and I know it's a regretful circumstances, but thankfully there's more and more conversations around the humans that make the world go round rather than just numbers and metrics and lead measures and KPIs. And I think that that's partially due to COVID-19 and all of the, the changes that we've had there and switching to remote and feeling that vulnerability and being comfortable enough to show up in a hoodie yeah. on a podcast. And then also because of the riots that we've had and the protests that we've had and having people be um, in their homes and experiencing isolation and an increase in social media, which for those of you who aren't a therapist, also increases levels of anxiety and depression because we're doing comparisons. Yep. So it's kind of the perfect storm for us to say time out. We need to go back to the basics of the foundation of ourselves and what it means to be a human and have self-awareness until we can really decide to move forward in any avenue. And Bunny, I love what you said there because there's a couple things I want to hit on. First of all, Nobody thinks they need something until they need something, right? So, you know, businesses are saying, well, why, why should we worry about mental health? Our employees are good. Well, then COVID-19 hits and everybody is working from home and everybody's doing this and that. Companies are not getting the numbers. Some companies are not getting the numbers they're used to getting. Everybody's freaking out. And so again, now it's like they have a V8 moment like, oh, maybe we do need a business therapist. <laughs> to keep everybody in the same plane. And then I love what you said about social media there. And, and I've always kind of been a contrarian with social media because, you know, I'll, I'll see people say, well, if you want to get a bigger audience, you've got to increase engagement and things like that. And I'm like, wait a minute. If I'm just throwing crap on the wall to throw crap on the wall, at the end of the day, all I'm doing is still throwing crap. I'm just throwing more of it. And in, in, my, in my mind, and my credo is, if I can't bring any value to my network, I don't post. I don't comment. Like on LinkedIn, if I can't say something of value, I don't, I don't say anything at all. So why do you think people feel that, compa that constant comparison and, and always trying to keep up with everybody else as far as social media goes? So I'm going to take a half step back and our listeners hopefully are going to be super thrilled because I'm going to turn it on you, Brian, and say, what do you get out of posting on social media? Hopefully I am adding some value to somebody else. So value is different. Everybody defines value in different ways. And I've, I'll use the example, not to get long winded with your answer back. But I don't like Big Macs from McDonald's. I like McDonald's food. I just don't like Big Macs. And if McDonald's said to me, if they came to me and said, congratulations, you've won a year's worth of free Big Macs, that would do nothing for me. Like that would give me almost zero value. But somebody else that loves Big Macs might go, oh my gosh, I can't have hit the lottery and done any better than getting free Big Macs for a year. Unlimited free Big Macs. So value, that value may be really strong to somebody else, but it does me no good. And so what I try to do is I try to bring encouragement. I try to bring intentional encouragement to my social media because you mentioned the riots and the protests and things like that. I try to bring encouragement to my, to my network 
because I don't know a person out there that doesn't appreciate or value encouragement. Like it's yeah. a basic so, human, it's a basic human thing to value encouragement. So when you go on social media and you post that encouragement, you share that encouragement, you feel fulfilled. And it doesn't matter how many likes, comments, engagements, followers that you get, you have shared your value with the world and you feel that fulfillment. And so not everybody can do that. A lot of people go and post on social media and then refresh and refresh and refresh because they're waiting for that fulfillment from the instant gratification. Source. Yeah. The instant gratification. Yes. Part. Yeah. Yes. And so it's the same dopamine release that we get with gambling, with drugs, with sex. It, and it can be addictive every time mm -hmm. we get that little hit of seeing a heart or a like or whatever it is. And social media is getting smarter and smarter and finding more and more ways to decrease our attention spans and give us more ways to get that immediate gratification to have us keep coming back. It's kind of like a virtual casino. Mm -hmm. And so you don't know whether you're going to get a viral video or not on YouTube. And so you're just trying to do all of these things. But in the meantime, you're, look, you're still looking for that external validation. And when you don't see it or you don't feel that it's enough, that's when depression and anxiety starts to creep in. And the anxiety and stress creeps in as you're waiting because it's that anticipation and you're not sure if you're going to get it or not. So mm -hmm. individuals like you or I, when we're sharing something, I honestly, I'll be extremely candid with your listeners. When I'm putting something up on YouTube, on our YouTube channel or on LinkedIn, it is because it's a question that I have been asked the 113th time that week. And I want to get the answer out to the thousands of people, or if not hundreds of thousands of people who have not emailed me or sent me a direct message to ask me the question and make sure that they have the answers because I'm not a detective, but that 113th time, I figure that's what I call a clue or a pattern or a trend. And so if you're going to ask your friendly business therapist this question, then I want to give you that answer. And if you yeah. haven't thought about it and you're a business owner, I want you to start thinking about it. And so if nobody likes it, nobody comments on it, I still know that hundreds of thousands of people saw it and it's out there in the world and it's going to live long past me and being able to create video content is, yeah. is why I want to do podcasts and speaking and all of that. So that's really the, the short answer to your question is what is your intention when you open that app on your phone or on your computer? And if your intention is to connect in a meaningful way, then connect in a meaningful way and don't allow other things to fulfill you. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the, that what I call, I call them V8 moments. So when people, you know, they, they say it's the 113th time you, you finally go, well, maybe I should do a post on that, or maybe I should do a video on that or something like that. And I was talking to a, I, I was on a call, I was on a zoom call the other day with, with someone in Australia and she asked me a question and I said, well, it's the way I care. I'm consistent, authentic, relatable, and encouraging. And, and so I went ahead and posted about that this morning because hopefully, you know, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a salesperson, um, and, and Bunny, here's the, here's the thing. I, I said this in my, in my post that you asked me about why I post on social media. Because I noticed about nine months ago before all this pandemic, nine, 10 months ago, I saw way more expertise on LinkedIn than I saw encouragement. 
And when somebody is going through something, the last thing they want is expertise. Like if somebody's dealing with a mental health issue, like we were just talking a moment ago, they want to know that they that that someone understands what they're going through. They want to know that someone cares about what they're going through instead of going, well, what you need to do is you need to go see a good therapist or what you need to do is, you know, none of us, it's like being a little kid and your parents are going, well, what you ought to do is clean your room or what you ought to do is eat your vegetables or what you ought to do is. And so for me, when you ask me that question, what my intention is, is to professionals on LinkedIn is, hey, look, I want to be a source of intentional encouragement because your feed is probably going to get filled with so much expertise that my encouragement hopefully will kind of be that little dim light in the corner of the room that you can kind of gravitate toward to open the shutter a little bit more and let more light come into the room. Does that make sense? I mean, I, I hope I didn't. It does. No, you need gas in the vehicle. You need motivation. I mean, I can post all of the fitness photos in the world and all of the expertise on how to, you know, have a beach body um, it, it, all around me. And I can make it in the background on every single digital device that I have, but without the motivation to actually go out and put in the work, without that encouragement and that accountability, it's never going to happen. P.S. For your listeners, there's two steps that are critical to having a beach body. One is to have a body and the second is to go to the beach. So yeah. that that's really, that's, that's how you do it. So but being well, some able people, to be some people ask me how I got thin, you know, they, they were like, well, how did you go from 360 pounds to like 200 pounds? I was like, it's pretty easy. I had surgery. I had my stomach cut to like the size of a, a grape nut or something like that. And, and I'm like, but you don't want to do it that way. But bunny, that's the thing is I want to ask you this. So how does a business continue to take its own mental health temperature and make sure that because businesses are starting to fall in that same trap that we just talked about with social media, it's okay, let's post this new product that we have on Instagram. And if we get 10,000 likes, that tells us that we've got a product that people want to buy. How do we keep as a business owner, how do you keep yourself sane in the same way you do your personal life, the same thing in business, because I would think those same motivators can apply to business like they do in personal life. So I call you and I say, Brian, I want to lose a hundred pounds and I want to do it for my health. Here's my motivation behind it. And then I come back to you in 30 days and say, Hey, remember when I said I wanted to lose a hundred pounds, how do you think I'm doing on losing that hundred pounds? And so diversity and inclusion is a huge um, industry right now that a lot of businesses are focusing on and people that companies are coming out and posting and saying, you know, we want to make this our priority. So 30 days later, it takes a really strong company to come back and say, how are we doing? Yeah. How did we do with our commitment? And then another 30 days a year and not just send out a survey, but open yourself up to that authentic conversation and then respond with two words. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of companies who will go through step one of announcing a, a change or an intention. Step two, asking for feedback on how they're doing on that intention. And then they 
when they receive that feedback that they've asked about, their immediate instinct is to go, well, but X, Y, and Z, we did all of these kinds of things. And it's a, it's no, it's, it, it's a zero sum game. You just say thank you and you continue to try to do better. Yes. Well, and a lot of people are just trying to check boxes because diversity and inclusion are, are, are hot topics. And by the way, diversity and inclusion are basic human things. No matter what your political beliefs are, whether you're a conservative or liberal, whether you're Republican or Democrat, no matter, diversity and inclusion are just basic. Like everybody should have those things basically hardwired within them, whether you're a Christian or an atheist. However you believe diversity and inclusion should be just natural, right? I mean, it should just well, be so a natural diversity. Yeah. Diversity is just counting. So mm -hmm. basically, if I laid out my blocks in front of me and I counted how many different colored blocks I had, that's diversity of my blocks. Yep. Now, inclusion is making sure that all of the blocks have the same opportunity and equal access to everything that all the other blocks have. And so we go from counting to actual culture. Yeah. And, you know, there's this argument for this rising tides raises all ships. Well, some individuals are on a super yacht and some individuals are hanging onto a two by four that's barely floating. And so we can't just allow a rising tide because that is not going to make equality. It's just going to keep things the same inequality. And being able to have these conversations and be open to it and even the understanding that I'm perceived as a white female and the mm -hmm. advantages that that has for me and my life and then committing myself to being able to use those advantages to help raise the tides of other individuals and continue to educate myself and mm -hmm. be open to the fact that, you know, that it, it is a lifelong journey of how to learn how to be a better human. Mm -hmm. or be a better being or be a better. And so my, my husband and I had this conversation because I don't know if I told you I'm married to a PK for your uh, listeners. That is a pastor's kid. And pastor's my husband kid. is nothing yes. short, nothing short of the uh, black sheep of the family. However, he's an incredible human being, which makes my father and mother in love a Southern Baptist pastor um and a pastor's wife and so i was a pastor's kid but my dad was a pastor when i was long married and my, my dad was a pastor later in his life but but again pastor's kid <laughs> so this was something i was introduced to because yeah. i was raised catholic and so I, I admit that we did not read the bible front to back i did not i'll speak for myself i did not and then my husband and I making this decision to have a family and raise a family together talked a lot about faith because obviously I was raised Catholic and he was raised Baptist and wanted to be non-denominational. Non and we boiled it down to how could we raise the best beings and have them have an understanding of the world and how to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a... Um, it was an interesting conversation when I said, you know, the Bible is wonderful and it has a lot of supportive content, but it's not enough. It doesn't cover, you know, how we recycle and how we should treat the planet and how we should, you know, take care of ourselves other than our body as a temple or, 
you know, just how to treat animals. And, you know, so my husband and I just had these active conversations. It means I'm sharing this with your listeners to say that something as uh, my word structured as Christianity is a mm. great place to start to have mind expanding conversations to say, this is a really great starting point. What else can I learn about? Well, people, and pre- and- well, let, let me jump in there. You have a lot of people that preach against, well, you shouldn't lie, but the Bible also says along with that, you shouldn't be prideful. Like you know, the Bible talks about all these things. And what it doesn't talk about is what it talks about is gluttony, and people kind of overlook that. They're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, that's not as important as that other sin." Well, no, gluttony is just as important, you know. And and being a formerly fat guy and still a bigger guy, you know, you, you just kind of go, "Oh, yeah," but I'm going to overlook that as I stuff the 18th cheeseburger in my mouth. It's like, wait a minute, you're yeah. the Bible talks about that specifically too, like you're destroying your body, like. And I'm being very, very transparent during our conversation, Bunny. My doctor looked at me on June the 26th, 2008, and said, you're going to die if you don't have weight loss surgery. You're on, you're on, you're a type 2 diabetic, and now you have onset hypertension. You're going to die. I was like, oh, but yeah, I'm a Christian. God's going to, my doctor had looked at me and said, you're going to die because I wasn't taking care of my body. Like I needed to take care of my body and I'm still working through a lot of those things and taking care of myself as I get older, but you're right. The Bible doesn't talk about how to take care of the planet. The Bible doesn't talk about um, how do we deal with a global pandemic? You know, the Bible doesn't, and that's where we have to go. That's where we have to take some common sense and look at it and go, Hey, you know what? If I eat a whole pizza, that's not real good for me. I don't care if it is a veggie pizza. It's not super healthy for me to consume a whole 18-inch veggie pizza, right? (laughs) Yes, but Hellbender's burritos in uh, West Virginia definitely can consume as many of those as as we need to. And they're not sponsoring this podcast. No, they should. We have no affiliate link, but they definitely should. Um, being going back to the health aspect of it and taking this back to business. Yeah, so a lot absolutely. of businesses look at a PL for their health, and yep. those are lag metrics, those are not lead metrics. The same way that we look at a scale to see how we're doing with our physical health, and we really need to focus on a lead metric on health in business, and that starts with the health of our individuals. I mean, we have health insurance policies. We have, you know, uh, employee assistance programs, which are, is therapy and you're limited to four or six sessions on a certain topic. But the overall health is not just, when I talk about mental health, people are uh, sometimes go, well, I'm sane. And it's not so much, or if you go to a therapist, you have an Mm -hmm. issue, you have a problem. Well, I can go to a personal trainer just because I want to maintain my fitness or I want to improve my fitness, even though I'm not necessarily trying to lose weight. So why couldn't I go to a therapist or why couldn't we include mental health in the business conversation for improving our human resources and our human capital and being able to create space to say, okay, you have a very specific purpose and you are not your job description. Mm -hmm. You are a person. 
And here's the mission and vision of the company. And how do you think that you can most lend your skills to fulfill that purpose? And so that's really where we go back to that health conversation and what makes sense and how can we continue to just say, okay, well, let's just continue to grow. Let's just focus on continuing to grow as one big giant herd, one big giant tribe. And when I lived in China for a year, you know, we, I had an amazing opportunity to talk, to speak to individuals who were Taoist and Buddhist and just listen and, and not try to be right, but just try to be present. And that's when it really started to click that if we come together as one big unit and you're not right. And if we assume that when we're having an argument, that conviction that we have that we're right, that other person has that same conviction. Mm -hmm. And so what can we learn? And I'm not talking about compromise because in compromise, if you have two black shoes and I have two white stilettos, you're going to end up with a white stiletto and I'm going to end up with a black loafer. It's, it's not going to look nice. Mm -hmm. So, but about the understanding of why I chose to wear my white stilettos and while you're choosing to wear your, you know, probably like boat shoes, we're we're just going to go put you in boat shoes, slippers. Um, bunny slippers. There we go. Bunny slippers. Uh, well, it's about <laughs> finding common ground because I can have a conversation as a Christian American. I can have a conversation with a Chinese Buddhist on common ground. I can find a place where we can meet and agree. And that's what I think a lot of people have missed, Bunny, is, is the fact of, and, 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 and I'll say it this way. Social media, a lot of times, getting back to what we were talking about with social media, a lot of times social media has been two monkeys in a cage flinging poop at each other, (laughs) back and forth. They haven't found a place to meet with common ground. And you talk about mental, you talk about mental health, it's almost as if social media is the place where people are going to unload. You know, it's like, well, I have to get this off my chest. I have to post this. No, you don't. You don't have to get that Mm -hmm. off your chest. You don't have to unload. You can be by yourself in a quiet place in reflective thought, and and that's where you can offload. Or you can be in prayer, and you can offload, and things like that. We have taken very private things that we need to offload in private, and we've Mm -hmm. offloaded them publicly. So now we've released our poison gas into the air and people are grabbing gas masks to keep from inhaling it because it's like, oh, I could give two hoots about what everybody else is going, but I feel better, but I feel better. And so I love what you said there. And it's not, I'm not trying to pontificate. I'm just saying we talk about mental health and we talk about talking but really all we're doing is we're putting our own toxicity into the air and people are breathing it in and then it, it infects them with that same toxicity. And that's why to yeah. some degree we have the culture that we have. Well, and that's, that's one of the things that I was made aware of as in living in China, because in the Taoist philosophy, there's just qi energy. 
And so what you're talking about is breathing this toxicity into the air. Even if I'm right, Brian, like I've created more negativity in this world, regardless yeah. if I believe that I won. And, you know, we work with a lot of military clients and I often joke and say that, you know, couldn't we just do war with like rock, paper, scissors, or even play the card game of war? Yeah. Because yeah. we spend so much time and energy and, you know, negativity in trying to defend ourselves from each other. When I think that what we really want as one big humanity is to just function and have peace and have trust and feel safe. This is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. And so if we did it with rock, paper, scissors, like why, why would that feel any less of a victory than blowing up another country? And at the same time, you're still making a huge sacrifice for that win. And I'm yeah. all for being... Uh, have your life having a purpose, your life having a meaning and being mm -hmm. willing to sacrifice for something that, that is intentional and meaningful for you. But why do it over and over and over and over again? Clearly you're not actually winning. You're just believing that you're winning and we're going to hit the pause button until we hit the play button. And we really, as humans need to feel safe and mm -hmm. it's, it's just in business. It, it's as running your own business, I need to, I, I'm going through this right now in the fact that we've hired out to agencies uh, a few projects. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I want to bring the projects back in house because I trust our people. Mm -hmm. And I love the people that are a part of the agencies, but the actual company is not, I don't have any control over yeah. And so it's like wanting to be able to jump in and fix a culture when it's re in reality, it's just like, let me just go back to the place that I feel safe and yeah. I have trust and respect. And th in those, that space, even, and for the listeners, I love Brian. So, but if I didn't love you, if I didn't even like you, but I could feel safe being on this podcast with you and feel like we could make a difference together then it's still a good space for me to grow in. Yeah. And, and, you know, Bonnie, here's the thing. I, 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 I'm going to, I'm, I want to stay here for the remainder of our podcast. And normally people would say, well, I want to hear Bunny's story. We'll have Bunny back on another podcast to tell her amazing story, but this is and I really won't be in a hoodie. Well, no, well, I, I might be. So yeah, I, I might wear a tuxedo. You just never know. But this is really important conversation because you may be a business owner hearing this and going, how invested should I be in the lives of my employees? Like, how often should I be checking in with my people? As a leader, I wanted to check in often with my people. And I was, I was a sales manager a dozen years ago. But I, and I had 15 salespeople that, that worked for me. I wanted to check in with them pretty often because I wanted to be a people first leader. And I think people gravitate to people first leaders because they feel that sense of this is not just my boss. This is somebody I can trust. And, and, you know, Bunny in a company, 
companies talk about that sell products are like, oh, it's a brand you can trust. It's a product you can trust. Well, what about the internal customers? Do they trust it? Do they trust the culture that's happening internally? When you talk to a company, what's the first question that you ask the person that hired you? What's the very first question you ask them? You're sitting across the table or doing a virtual with them. The first question you ask is what? Why do you believe I'm here? Wow. Or why did you call me? Well, sometimes I, I have stopped answering the why did you call me? Because when I was a therapist, I used to say, you know, why are, what's the session about? Why do yeah. you think you're in therapy? And the answer could be, well, my wife may become, my mom may become, the <laughs> yeah. court ordered me to come. Yeah. And so I've stopped. I'm here because I got to be, right? I'm here because I got to be. Yeah, right? because, yeah. So, so I find that the more open-ended question is, why do you think I'm here? Mm. Because I want to know in your perception, sitting across the table from me or on the other side of the computer screen, what it is that you think I do, mm. what it is that you think I can help you with, what it is that you think the, where the gap may be, if there's mm. any gap and how you feel about that. Yeah. And so that question really answers a lot of traditional therapy assessment questions in a very open-ended way. And it's also extremely disarming because it's why do you think I'm here? Not why are you in therapy? Yeah. Or why are you in business therapy? And so, you know, being able to start there, it also helps me to understand what the person that's sitting there understands about the work that we're about to encounter and uh, embark on. What do you think the toughest question for a business owner or, or a business leader, what's the toughest question that they have to ask themselves? I think the toughest question to answer is where the bottleneck is, because I think that typically the answer to that question is who's staring at you in the mirror. Mm. And so yeah. you, you can care the most about your business and still be the biggest detriment to your business. And so I think that the toughest question to the toughest thing in business is to find out how to ask for the right help. And a lot of companies will see a dip in the metrics or in the PL and they'll hire marketing and sales without realizing that the energy and life and culture within the company is what's toxic, not the Facebook ad. And it's really difficult sometimes for us to understand. I have seen companies spend hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to understand their customer and not spend a dime on understanding themselves as a business owner. Yeah. Yeah. So, they for, and, they've forgotten, they've forgotten their mission statement. They, they're, they're so focused in, in, in gaining external customers, their internal customers are leaving them, like the boat's mm -hmm. going to sink. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the first person that you have to sell your company to is your team. Yeah. 
Good point. Right. So that's, that's the first person that you have to sell your company to. So if you're so focused on selling your company to your clients that you're missing out on your most important customer, which is your team, you know, or even yourself, I've worked with entrepreneurs that are, are focused, so focused on who they think their ideal customer is. And then they end up two years later identifying, well, actually my ideal customer is me. Yeah. And, you know, I've been so focused on trying to have this giant learning curve of learning somebody else who wasn't me. And I should have just focused on fixing my problem because I started yeah. this company to fix a problem that I had. So being able to start with yourself mm. and then start with your team and be open and honest on where that is going to lead you because there's two things that I want to have your um, start to leave your listeners with because I know we're yeah. winding down. Yeah, we're on getting time. Yeah. one. One is my grandfather used to tell me that uh, the CEO should be the dumbest person in the room, mm-hmm. and I've taken that to heart. And so I try to have people consistently around me that are a lot smarter than me. And that can also be said in a different way of you're the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. Yeah. So the second part of it is I have been a cowgirl for three decades plus Mm -hmm. and being able to learn from herd animals that are prey animals and are used to having to figure out what's going to be best for their life each and every day and don't have the luxury of just waking up and hunting whenever they want. Yeah. The alpha mare, who you could argue is the CEO of the herd, does not get to that position in the herd, in the wild, by being the best horse. The alpha mare gets to that position by consistently demonstrating her ability to put the needs of the herd first. Mm. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So those are my two things. Well, let me, let me ask you one more quick question as we wrap up this podcast. How does a business owner or leader intentionally encourage themselves to encourage others? So again, I'm going to go back to, it starts with you and how do you encourage yourself? Hmm. You can go buy a love language uh, book from Gary Chapman. It's an amazing book. It is. Um, Yeah. And I, I, have heard Gary speak on many occasions and studied him as a therapist. And I think he's a, a wonderful individual, but reading that book from the perspective of identifying how I can love myself is a whole different ball game. And so if you're sitting there answering Brian's question of how can I intentionally encourage my team, don't pour from an empty cup, find ways to intentionally encourage yourself first. Mm-hmm. And have that discussion with your team as well. Everybody is encouraged in their own different ways. You know, to your point, a Big Mac means something else to somebody than it means to, than it means to you. Yeah. And so, yeah. how can I add value to my life so that I can add value to those that are around me? And when you do focus on value, I'm a hundred percent in agreement there. When you focus on value instead of money, because remember money is a made up thing. We print it. Like Mm -hmm. we literally print it. And right now we're printing a lot of it. When you focus on adding value, the return on investment is 
exponential and the highest return on investment in any company is in yourself. And that is true whether you are at the top or whether you are in a J-O-B or mm-hmm. whether you are working the equivalent of whatever 2020's mailroom is. Mm-hmm. The highest return on investment for anybody listening to this is on yourself. Man, that's so good. What, what a great way to lead the conversation. And again, we'll have money back on to tell her amazing story, but I couldn't let this conversation go that way because I think we've done something really good here in just talking about things right now that are happening to, to people in life. Bunny Young, tell people how they can get in touch with you and connect with you. And, and you know, if they want to bring your company in to consult, how do they do that? Absolutely. So bunnyyoung.com is the the best place to start. And then if you um, want to give your team a gift or yourself a gift um, from us, a better place consulting forward slash or betterplaceconsulting.com forward slash get started. And I'll give Brian that link to put in the show notes um, has a free tool that's a sanity tool. And when you talk about the encouragement, sometimes it's nice to have somebody along with you for the ride. And so that tool has videos from me and, and a bunch of tools. And so I feel like that's the, the best way that I can encourage you guys to get started today on your own sanity and your own journey um, intentionally. And I feel like I should do this right now as a hat tip to our good buddy. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave this here for a minute. So, you know, I, I can, I can hat tip uh, the guy that introduced us, Damon Burton. So, Damon, that's for you. Bunny, thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Stay safe and stay sane. My thanks, as always, to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Meads. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place, can be an intention.